The, the way I look at life as well, I think there's a lot of videos out there and a lot of stress on people to, to be doing like crazy amounts of money. Yeah. I think you need to just know what you want to earn to be comfortable and live the happy life that you yeah. want to live. So I could quite happily live the life I want to live off five grand a month, let's say. Mm -hmm. So rather than completely work myself to the bone and burn out and not enjoy life to, to get to the 10, 15, 20K a month, I would stress for people to say, can you actually live the life you want to off yeah. of five and mm -hmm. be happy with that? Because that's more than what most people get to do. Do you find yourself winging your way through life, hoping you'll figure it all out on the way? Hello, it's me, Gabby Mendez, your 20s wing woman, and you're listening to the Talk 20s podcast. Here you'll find me chatting to influential 20-somethings on different topics that matter to you in your 20s and all the things we never got taught in school. This is your ultimate guide to adult life. So if you're ready, let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talk 20s podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Justin Wilkins. Justin is a property investor, sourcer and YouTuber with over 22,000 subscribers. He's here today to talk to us about his property investing journey and how he's managed to spend his time diversifying his income over the past few years to be able to put more time and effort into property investing. So hello, Justin. Welcome to the podcast. So delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for coming up because you've come a bit of a way, haven't you? Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I come up from just outside of Brighton. Mm -hmm. But I love Liverpool. Yeah, tell us why you city. love Liverpool. It's just an amazing city. So much, or it had so much potential when I started coming here. And now yeah. I feel like it's fulfilling it because it just gets better and better every year, yeah. doesn't it? And you've got lots of your property up here, don't you? When yeah, you, yeah. When you yeah. invest, you, you, although you live in Brighton, you invest in the Northwest. Correct. Tell us a little bit more about that before we get started into it. Um. I mean, like like London, Brighton is just ridiculously expensive yeah. now. I mean, not quite as bad as London. Um, and I have a home down there and, you know, I might do a property flip down there, you know, like, you know, develop something and sell it on. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like buying a property to hold, you'd have to tie up a lot of money. So actually for a lot of investors, the north, parts of the north, mm -hmm. um, are viewed as, you know, fantastic return on investment for their money. Mm -hmm. And so. I know this because I, I, I've only got one house, my house that I live in, but I have bought a property up here and, you know, I've got, you know, my brother who lives down south and stuff like that. And it's going to be a hell of a lot harder for him to buy his first home than it was for us because we bought in the Northwest. We know it's a lot yeah. easier. Lots, you know, we re renovated as well. So we've already, you know, made a profit in our house if we were to sell it today. So, you know, it is a very exciting area, but lots of people will be tuning in and wanting to hear about your property investment journey. Tell us a little bit more about you first kind of what what made you interested in property like how you kind of got to where you are today probably my my grandfather and my parents so mm -hmm. my granddad was a, a property developer okay. um really before I was around because he actually you know built built up multiple development sites but unfortunately maybe bit off more than he could chew and uh bad time in the early uh, 90s there was a recession so mm -hmm. he lost it all but I grew up learning from his experiences and from my from my family telling me kind of what they went through and I was always so fascinated by property mm -hmm. uh, my dad's incredible at DIY I'm not but he tries to teach <laughs> me um, I'm sure so, we'll yeah. talk about that a little bit more yeah. in the podcast because <laughs> yeah. I think that's a lot big part of your journey as well isn't it um, we don't like to talk about money in the UK do we it is a very taboo topic and we you know it's not something that we're taught openly about in school um 
kind of for you, growing up in a household then that did kind of were, were into property and did obviously talk a little bit more openly about money and investments that can be made, do you think that had a greater impact on kind of where you are today? Definitely. I wouldn't say that my parents had a massively open idea on, on finance, mm. but I certainly grew up, um, I always was always intrigued to know what other people earned and mm-hmm. would want to know. And I think, you know, in America, it's such a common thing for people to talk about, you know, what do they earn? And yeah. in the UK, we think it's vulgar, but yeah. actually, you know, it's inspiring. It's motivational. It depends on your mindset. I think mindset. a lot of people think you can't tell people your salary in the UK. I think they think yeah. it's like, it's a law, but it's not. Like, you can, like... It's, very, yeah. you know, it's if you wanted to find out, you know, for competitive reasons and stuff like that, like perhaps we should be talking more about salary <laughs> yeah. and things. But though that's really, really interesting. So in terms of kind of getting into into property, though, it wasn't a straightforward journey for you, was it? It was kind of like you built it your way up. It's not like you turned around and said the first day I'm going to be a property investor. There was a whole journey that came before that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that journey that kind of led you to property investing? Yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, I left college slightly early I went and became an estate agent um and yeah I mean my parents again incredibly supportive because you know it's not necessarily like the career that maybe they dreamed I'd go into but they could see I had a passion for property so like yeah great so did that for seven and a half years but you kind of um you know you end up working all hours of the day for not a huge amount of money and um I thought you know I really want to do this myself so um eventually switched over then to actually another sales role which was more 9 to 5 Monday to Friday that allowed me to put time into what I wanted to do now I actually instead of going straight into property I went oh, I'm going to create a clothing brand mm-hmm. And then go, you know, funnel that money into property. So I had the experience of launching, creating a clothing brand and then um, eventually selling that because Mm -hmm. it didn't. What do you think you learned from like launching a clothing brand as kind of, was there a lot of skills that you learned there that kind of have brought you forward to where you are today? I think everything social media, I'm not saying I'm a social media god or anything, but I just Mm. think like everything that I learned or any, you know, came from that because of the importance in social media to create sales in that company Mm -hmm. and to tell the story of of the influencer and the brand as soon as I sold that company and and left it I then went right I'm going to create a personal brand Mm -hmm. and I got really excited about doing that around property and and Mm -hmm. so I think that's really really true I think a lot of people think that you've got to go straight into these things and other areas of of experience you can't always map across but I think in I think any experience is good experience in these situations especially if you're putting yourself outside your comfort zone like you know putting launching a clothing brand is not an easy an easy thing to do so you obviously have put yourself outside your comfort zone you're learning new skills you can then take forward to lots of other situations there was a little bit in between that as well between kind of launching your clothing brand and then getting to where you are with your first buy to let as well yes tell us a little bit more about that um just it's trying things for me my 20s you know know, i am approaching the end of them sadly but um (laughs) my 20s has been like try stuff yeah so yeah when i sold the clothing brand um took the money from that but i was like right i need more money to because because property can be quite cash intensive and and needs a lot so i was like right what other side hustles what things can i do um such as you know like ebay and like going to markets and buying and reselling stuff and um yeah just come down to trying and seeing what worked really so i did a few little side hustles like that just to help me save deposits Mm -hmm. and uh rather than just do my day job try Mm -hmm. and create I think you really are like king of the side hustles, I would say, because you've got lots of different income streams that are going on. And still to this day, like property investing and, and having property and stuff, that's not your only income stream. You've got lots of different things that are going on, which allow you to 
probably put more money into that, but you've obviously got your YouTube revenue as well. You've got your courses that you do where you teach other people about property. So you really have so much going on at the moment, (laughs) don't you? Yeah. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more about property in general, because I think a lot of our listeners are very keen on potentially maybe they're not even at the stage where they've got their first home, but they're very interested in learning about property. I think all of us know the value of property. If you look back at the houses our parents were buying for what price they were buying it for and what it's worth now, all of us can see that like property is growing. What's your kind of view of the property industry at the moment? Because it is, well, in the past year with a couple of years with COVID, it has absolutely taken off. What's your kind of view of the property world at the moment, property market? Yeah, I mean, um, it's had a lot more eyes on it now uh, than ever before, which is great because I think people should see and know how much of a great investment tool it is and how good, uh, you know, real you know, property is as a real asset. Um, however, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. So it's, you know, there's a lot of people that will try and sell a dream. So it's trying to like, if you're coming new into this industry, it's very much, you know, right. it's at a point it's quite pivotal right now because there's kind of like half the people are really honest and telling the truth about property. You know, it's hard, but very beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then there's half that are really trying to sell a dream. Um, I hate to even say, you know, to sell a course because obviously I do that, but in, in a way in which it's leading people to believe they can do stuff far quicker than it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you really stress it takes time. I think that's the whole point why we started the podcast and said, look at all the points I've got to before <laughs> I started investing in property. Because I think for anyone listening right now, they'll go, you've got a property investor on your podcast and he's in his 20s. How on earth has he got there? And I think it's really important. That's why it's so important that we've talked about this whole journey that you've been on. You know, when when was the first moment that you thought I wanted to be a property investor? How many years ago? I mean, that was actually some time ago. As an estate agent, it took a while for it to click. But I was like, oh, you know, these these guys, these ladies that are turning up in really nice cars and <laughs> they're like, you know, it's like 11 a.m. on a Monday. Why are they not at work? You know, yeah. but they're here viewing properties, thinking about developing them. And I thought, that's really cool. Um, the cars are cool, obviously, but, but more <laughs> also the flexibility of their diary. And I was like, actually, that's a great thing to do. Like, I mean, I'm in property, but I'm not doing what I should be doing in property as an estate agent. Mm. So then my mind started to turn on it. And that's when I thought, right, what's my exit here? Right, I need to go to the nine to five, like I said. And and mm. that's why I started to transition, change my life a bit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, In terms of like when you're purchasing property and stuff like that, what is your kind of strategy at the moment? What is it What is it that you're kind of do, doing at this stage at the minute? Really just building the foundations of my portfolio, which is buy-to-lets, very Mm -hmm. simple, you know, nice two or three bedroom terraced houses, trying to provide them as, because quite often I'll, you know, maybe do a refurb, add a bit of value to it. But the refurb is really to go, you know, um, a lot of people, a lot of landlords don't actually think of tenants as their customer, but, you know, my tenants are a customer. Mm. And whilst I might not be able to please them all of the time, I will try my very best to try and provide a really good product. And if anything maintenance-wise come up, you know, really be attentive because that's how companies like, you know, very different. But Amazon have grown through customer, you know, success. Mm-hmm. And I want to do the same bit in the property space. So building a portfolio of buy-to-lets, um, but really focusing on the tenants, my customer, and also doing the sourcing of property as well, which is helping other investors get started because... Right now, it's really hard to find Mm -hmm. good value properties and the market's so hot and it's so much competition. I'm here like, right, well, I have got good contacts, good connections. I can't buy every house, sadly. Mm -hmm. So I'll sell a few on. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like property sourcing for anyone who really like doesn't understand how that works, 
it's essentially, you know, I think if someone would ask the question, well, if you're finding these really great deals, why wouldn't you be buying them yourself, Justin? Like, why why wouldn't you be doing that? I mean, it's a really solid question, really. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> there's a few different reasons. But yeah, one of them is just because it, it costs a lot of money and mm. um, I will not always have, you know, money and liquid and available to do it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, by sourcing, I'm able to actually help replenish my own cash pots, but yeah. also help the investors that that maybe a lot of people I work with, they might work in London or they might work where, you know, a job where they work till, you know, seven or eight o'clock at night. And the thought of then coming, you know, going an hour or two outside of where they live to find a property and do all the viewings is very, mm. you know, it's not of interest to them. They'd rather just own the asset and benefit from it. Um, so there's that side of it, but also some investments that, that get brought to me or that I find, they might not tick my criteria, but mm. to someone else, they're still a really good investment. So I don't just want to walk away from that. Yeah. And then, so how property sourcing works is essentially you charge a fee to find that property for someone and they they then get the asset and you get the fee for, for doing that um, yeah. transaction, which I think is probably something that lots of people in their 20s might not really understand that is a kind of really good way to get into property. And I think I've, I've watched you say on one of your YouTube videos that, it's one of the biggest ways that's helping you learn more and more about property and what's a good deal, what's a bad deal and what other investors might be interested in. So really you're also gaining more than just the financial side of things as well, because you're learning all about kind of the whole, the whole journey of buying a property as well. It's developing a range of skill sets. So um, like when you see me do DIY, you know, I am not the best person to be doing DIY, but uh, if I do it once, do it twice, you know, obviously I realise that there's a benefit to taking myself out of that equation eventually. But if I do it once or twice, I learn about that process. Mm-hmm. So then when I get quotes, hopefully they can't, you know, take advantage of me. I yeah. know the value of their time, the prices, the materials. Mm-hmm. So in a similar way, when finding properties, I'm learning the skill set of talking to agents, negotiating, finding houses that don't even hit the market, you know, off yeah. market, direct with the owner. And it's... um for me, it's just about building those skills out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about renovations and refurbishments. Yeah. <laughs> you put a lot of that on your Instagram and on your YouTube channel as well. It's hard, isn't it? Because I've renovated my first home. It takes a lot of time. I've seen it, you know, when it's literally everything's ripped out and you're like, wow. But the transformation can be amazing. And I think it's one of the most rewarding things that you can do is to watch something transform. Yeah. Um, has there been any kind of challenges or big lessons that you've learned along the way that you think you'd want to share with someone who's new to property, new to renovating that you'd maybe want to share? Just everything takes longer than you think and mm-hmm. costs more than you think. And I know that's not the best, you know, but, but if you can just factor that in, you know, my granddad always used to say, um, if you aim to do a task and it only takes you double the amount of time and you've done really well in terms of DIY and property because it always does take longer than you think, whether it's painting, whether it's uh, in my bungalow, we've just, my dad and I have just refitted all the heating and the pipes and that was an abs- that was a task mm-hmm. considering I've never done that before. Um, but in terms of advice, it would be just, just know where you stand with it. You know, do you want to try it? And if so, you know, there's so many YouTube videos and tutorials, so mm-hmm. give it a go. But if you really aren't like, I do not want to do DIY, don't force yourself, just factor those costs in, mm-hmm. get professional help. Um, otherwise, you'll just resent it. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I think it's a it's a big job. And I, I know a lot of people who've just gone, they've started something and then they're in the middle of it and they just can't seem to push past it. And, you know, I think it can be really hard. Talking about tradespeople then, because yeah. obviously you have to 
deal with a lot of them. As a young person, and if you're starting to kind of do renovations or get people in to kind of work on a property that you've bought, what's your best advice for dealing with them or finding the right ones and stuff like that? I'm sure by now you've probably got a select few people that you kind of call on and stuff like that. But when you're kind of new to this world, how do you know if someone is having you on basically? (laughs) It's it's a minefield and there's some incredibly good tradespeople. There's also some, of course, that will take advantage. And I'll be lying if I said it's been plain sailing because... Mm. I've had, um, you know, timescales drawn out and people not doing what they say they're going to do and, and yeah, really do take the mick. But I just think it's about, like most things, it comes down to uh, people skills and relationships. So I'd always encourage trying to, if you're going to work with a builder, try and meet them a couple of times before, see what their responsiveness is to texts and, and what their attitude is like when you meet them face-to-face on site and, and towards giving you a quote, mm-hmm. because I think that's probably going to show you the, the path you know if they take time to get back to you and they don't provide you for proper quote then they're kind of showing you how they're gonna do their work in general mm-hmm. I, I always draw up a contract as well because mm. um people don't know why they think like they can always ask a builder for a contract you know but i absolutely here's the contract this is the time scales i expect this is the payment plan you're having mm-hmm. you know be firm with them um it's harder than ever right now because they've got so much work going on that they can pick and choose but i still think try and stick to that and Mm -hmm. and stick to your guns otherwise yeah you you will end up losing money if you think it's harder as a younger person in property as well yeah 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 i mean it doesn't help i look like 19 years (laughs) of age but um (laughs) but yeah it definitely yeah it definitely does so you've got to that's the other thing it may be be quite clear that you know what you're talking about you know Mm. if you learn the stages of a refurb and then you say well um talk to a builder about that you know like uh, the the rip out the first fix you know Mm. and and the different stages then hopefully they might say actually this guy does know what he's talking about or or this lady knows what he's talking about so i might not be able to you know push the boundaries too much here yeah so no i think that's really really good advice i think for a lot of people that's probably one of the things that scares them the most about kind of going into properties like how am I actually going to be taken seriously how is someone going to actually you know give me the respect because I think age does massively come into it we can't you know look older overnight and stuff like that so I think you know that's a really really good advice for kind of working with with tradespeople. if you are a young person right now and you're and you're speaking to them and they are looking to buy their first home as in something to live in what would be your advice that you'd kind of give them right now, given the current state of the property market? Uh, I mean, for one, absolutely do it. Because a lot of people actually say to me, should I buy a home or yeah. should I go straight into buy to let? And I like the idea of home. I went down the route home. Um, a lot of people try and say not to, tell you not to, but I think it's such a good investment tool. You can put in a lower deposit, obviously lower stamp duty costs. Um, you can live there, obviously, mm-hmm. which helps. And then when you come to sell it, if you do add value and uh, profit margin, Say, say you bought, purchased a property and you you made £20,000 profit, that's completely tax-free. Mm-hmm. Uh, money that you either take onto your next project or you take off for a holiday or a car, you know, whatever, wherever you want to take that when you sell it or refinance mm-hmm. that property. So, but as a tip, I would say that, you know, if you are looking to get go further in, in life in terms of finances and, and in property, then take your time buying that first property. Try and below uh, buy something which is, you know, in theory below market value what it should be on for Mm -hmm. and add value you know experience what it's like to go through that with not as much stress as having to do it for a tenant but you're doing it for yourself Mm -hmm. and then yeah use that as your your way of kind of 
proof of concept, you know, try and go out there and test things and then mm-hmm. go, yeah, I can do this. I do like this. Mm-hmm. And then you can take it to the next level. I think one of the big things in terms of um, any property in any kind of sense is negotiation. And you really have to learn to be like a tough negotiator. How have you kind of developed those skills over the past year, a few years that you've been in property? How have you kind of found, have you had more challenging times with challenging conversations and stuff? How do you get around those kind of, how do you know what to put an offer in at? And how do you know when they're, you know, they've got lots of other options as well? Because I know it must be really challenging right now, given the, obviously the current property market, things are getting snapped up like that. Yeah. Um, Negotiation must be tricky, right? (laughs) Yeah. Negotiating is incredibly hard um, given the state of the market. But you've got to, the way I do it is I try, it's it's easier said than done, but I try and remove all emotion Mm -hmm. and let the numbers do the talking. So I have set spreadsheets. I'll do a viewing. I punch in the numbers. Does it work? Does it not? Sometimes even if it doesn't, there'll be a price where it does. And I might even submit that low price. And if if an offer feels embarrassing, then I mean, sometimes it's a good sign because you're going in at a low enough point, which you feel a bit awkward about it, but the numbers do work for you. And at the end of the day, they can only come back and say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like my rule of negotiation. You can always increase, but you can't decrease your offer. So as long as you're not, you know, really being harsh to the owner and you are creating a situation where they win because they can sell and do what they need to do and you win because you get it for the right price, that's kind of where the way I look at it. But I do think I was lucky enough that in a state agency, I Mm. I got in that mindset. So I know what an estate agent wants to, how they want to deal with an offer, how they want to present it to an owner. So then I just try and work with the agent and say, look, what do you want from me to, to present this owner, uh, to present this offer to the owner? And mm. quite often that's a, a written email with why, you know, this is the offer. This is, these are the reasons why here's the proof of funds, you know, make it, make the agent's life really easy yeah. and they'll help you out as well. Mm. I think that's really, really solid advice. Um, I think a lot of 20 somethings are probably in the place of, you know, putting in offers on multiple properties and probably feeling a little bit disheartened because there's five, 10 people going after the same property. How do you not get disheartened when things don't go your way? (laughs) That's a good one. Um, (laughs) Nothing in life comes easy. Mm. Keep going. Um, But also don't get too carried away. Um, This is something, again, finances and market cycles aren't taught in school, which is ridiculous. I know. But markets always cycle. And while there might be another year or two left of these highs, at least, you know, at some point things will cool off. At some point they'll slightly adjust. And if you look at um, any any terms of, you know, stocks and crypto now, whatever it is, you know, property as well, it it cycles. And in fact, in property, there's believed to be an 18-year property cycle. So if you look back over the last few decades, mm. about three times in a row now, the cycle, the, the market has followed a similar trend over 18 years, the last three times, roughly. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so, you know, that's something that I look at and and when I'm doing, when I'm buying, when I'm refinancing, I, that comes into play as part of my model. So I'd just, you know, don't feel like you have to rush in, um, but equally just, just, yeah, keep at it and mm. just think the investment that you buy now is going to help set up your future. So uh, try and buy at the right price mm-hmm. and, and enjoy it, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's your home, isn't it? Definitely. So. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you do all of this, but you also have, well, you've recently stepped down to slightly part-time, but you've pretty much been doing this with a full-time job as well. How on earth do you find a work-life balance? <laughs> I have to ask this question. 
Um, Michelle, my fiance, will probably say I don't. Uh, but I, I try. I'm just very like diary regimented, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest in saying that I do work most weekday evenings, mm-hmm. and then I try and take time Saturday afternoon and Sundays off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a case of the way I look at it is again, was for me, you know, I was saying my twenties was a time for me to test things. I want to do property full time mm-hmm. and I want this to be the next 30 years of my career, my life. So if I have to put in two or three years where I'm burning the candle at both ends, mm-hmm. then so be it because I know that will pay dividends when I do leave. And I can live the life I really want to, mm-hmm. um, although I, you know, that's what I had to do just to get there. Mm-hmm. You know? I think a lot of twenty somethings worry because there is this whole thing around kind of like, and you're, I'm sure you'll see it on YouTube, hustle culture, <laughs> where it's kind of like work really, really hard, and you'll be able to like relax and stuff like that. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you will be able to switch off though? Because I think like once you kind of build up to a way of, I'm very similar. I work quite a lot of weekends. Not that I'm saying that, it's, that you should do it and stuff like that, but I think when you love what you do it doesn't feel like you're actually working because Uh, when I've been in previous roles before, it's been, oh, I've got to go to work today. I've got to get up and I've got to do this and this and this. And I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. And work just seems so much harder. And then now that I work for myself and for the business, genuinely, and and I don't mean this without exaggerating, but I don't feel like I'm working most of the time. So then I'm kind of like, well, I, I, I I don't even know how to describe it, but essentially... I never feel like I'm really properly working unless yeah. it's, unless it's like something like accounts that I really don't want to do. But do you sometimes feel that way as well? Like, do you think property is that for you? Like it doesn't really necessarily feel like a chore because it's your passion. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You yeah. know, like you, you know, you probably don't feel like, oh, I need the weekend off because you're, you're yeah. just doing what you enjoy now, aren't mm-hmm. you? Which is incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so pleased for you, you know, having heard you've done that. It's inspiring to me um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, I will get there at some point and... The, the way I look at life as well, I think there's a lot of um, videos out there and a lot of stress on people to to be doing like crazy amounts of money. Yeah. I think you need to just know what you want to earn to be comfortable and live the happy life that you yeah. want to live. So uh, take me, for example, like, uh, you know, I, I've been doing okay recently, but I don't need to, and I don't earn this by any means, but it, say my goal was £100,000. I mean, I don't need £100,000 mm-hmm. a month or a year, you know. Mm-hmm. I could quite happily live the life I want to live off five grand a month, let's say. Mm-hmm. So rather than completely work myself to the bone and burn out and not enjoy life to, to get to the 10, 15, 20K a month, I would stress for people to say, can you actually live the life you want to off yeah. of five? And mm-hmm. be happy with that because that's more than what most people get to do. 100%. I think it's all about balance, isn't it? Like, you know, I still find time to see friends and still find time to see family yeah. and enjoy those experiences and stuff like that. But I can actually do that in the middle of the week and I can actually do it like at whatever point, because like you say, you control your own diary and that's kind of what you want. Um, and for me, like finances, you know, doesn't necessarily come into it. It's not like I'm trying to reach a certain amount of goals financially. For me, it's about feeling fulfilled and making sure that the audience that we are serving are benefiting from hearing conversations like yours and your yeah. experience and stuff, which they totally are. So for me, I'm definitely more driven by the fulfillment side of things and the financial. Do you think that's the same for you or do you think you've got quite a pull to the financial side of things? I've always been interested in numbers. Yeah. And so don't get me wrong, I do like money, I like finances, Mm. but that's more for the freedom it creates. Yeah. So 
I would say I probably started off more like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to conquer the world. Whereas now I'm thinking, actually, I I would really just like to live the life of freedom that I want to, Mm -hmm. as I said. So it's less about that, more about family Mm -hmm. and um, waking up every day and doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're just heading back, you know, to the conversation of like diversification mm-hmm. and making sure that, you know, your income streams are varied. Um, that's really been your ticket to success really, isn't it? And, yeah. and how you've kind of managed to get to where you want to go. If someone is kind of in a job right now where they are like you, like you were initially in a nine to five earning a salary like where would you kind of point them in the right direction for thinking about starting a side hustle or some kind of you know extra income stream that they can just start simply and grow from there and then hopefully eventually end up in property if that is their is their choice I mean first of all it, it you know knowing if that's what they want to do like mm-hmm. don't feel like they have to do like, if you enjoy your career yeah great you're winning as well right mm-hmm. and um it's for those that aren't and want more out of you know for their it's not maybe their dream of what they want to do then yeah definitely start to think about what would you want to do and sometimes it's difficult because your hobby your passion might not seem like you can monetize it but yeah you know I've managed to make a large portion of money about talking about property which is mad really you know <laughs> and it wasn't where I intended to go with it I thought right I'm gonna have to you know spend ages working really hard building up this money to buy property and actually talking about it brings in just as much as actually buying it mm-hmm. so um, it's kind of like a cycle for me so but for anyone looking to start I'd really capitalize on what your interest is what your hobby is can you create social media around it and just as something on the side don't put the stress on it oh I have to post every single day this many times a day but just do it mm-hmm. for the love of it and mm-hmm. spend time doing it because then people will see your passion and enthusiasm come through your Instagram your TikTok um you know, I watched this guy, I can't think of his name, Francis, something now, and he and he like does TikToks about seeing trains. And oh, yeah. I love I've, it. Yeah, he's great, oh, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, this guy is winning. Like, he's like, I'm loving life. I've just seen that he's quit his job. I've just seen that too, yeah, um, on LinkedIn. He quit his job, yeah. didn't he, to, to do train spotting on, on TikTok full time. <laughs> but if you'd said, you know, um, without building that, I'm going to quit my job to be a train spotter, you know, you don't think, well, where's the money in that? Yeah. So it's more about, Think about what you want to do and mm. then just sort of start sharing your passion through it. And I've I've sort of did that with property. So I started talking about property, but with no clear end goal in mind. I, I didn't plan to then start doing the, the you know, the coaching, the mentoring. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan to start doing the sourcing. Just a case of like, I'm going to share my buy to let journey. Mm-hmm. And then from there, that opened up doors. You know, all of a sudden people are like, oh, you, you talk about spreadsheets. Um, you know, have you got a good spreadsheet? And, yeah. and then I started selling spreadsheets, mm-hmm. you know, which is, again, madness. But mm-hmm. it's like people wanted a, a good spreadsheet with formulas, so I created it. And then it was a case of, well, you know, just, you know, this is a year or so ago. I know you've only got a couple of bicelets, but could I pick your brains for an hour? Mm. And I started doing it for free. And then it was like completely consuming my life. So then I started charging, attached the feed mm-hmm. to it. You know, I'll, I'll charge 50 quid an hour. Then that went up to 75 quid. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as you're... You kind of, as time goes on, as you build mm-hmm. more around that passion, you you move up the value ladder. Mm-hmm. And uh, to now, whereas I don't do one-to-one calls because I've got a you know pre-built program that people can go through and watch videos and I'll charge a bit more for that because I've put a lot mm-hmm. of time into that. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's, it just goes to show that obviously you start off at one place and you just kind of grow and grow and grow. And as you've also obviously listened to kind of what your audience has asked and wanted from you. 
um, you know, what are they asking you for? What kind of advice are they kind of doing? And then creating products that are for them, which I think is is quite yeah. smart, really. But I think also the other thing you do is you give out a lot of value for for free. Like no one has to have paid you something to have had a conversation or yeah. to have learned, well, not to have had a conversation, but to have learned something from your YouTube page, for example. There's tons of stuff that they can learn from just watching you on YouTube. And then it's at that point that they can then go, well, I think the, the course or the spreadsheet or whatever it is you talk about is going to take me that, that step further. So I think that's also the benefit. But like in terms of the YouTube journey as well, how how quickly has that grown for you? Because was it something you were doing and not monetizing for a little while at first? And then obviously I know you monetize it now, but... Yeah, I mean, again, it was like one of those, a passion project. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just going to sit in front of a camera and talk about property. Maybe 10 people might watch this. Great. Yeah. But uh, again, a, a part luck and timing, but I had seen a gap in the market. And, you know, when I started thinking about buying a property and all I could find was... Uh, you know, 50-year-old bald John, no offence, John, uh, <laughs> who was talking about property and he'd got 50. I was like, well, this is unrelatable. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll create a couple of videos. Maybe it's interesting. Yeah. And then, as I say, I got lucky. Lockdown came in. I think people really found me. So I only really doubled down on it in February, March last year, you know, 2020. Mm-hmm. So it's gone from zero to 22,000 um, here at the end of 2021. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, again, it's just, it's been a revenue stream for me, something that I haven't, I didn't start for it to be that, mm-hmm. but I enjoy it. I, mm-hmm. you know, and it earns money. So yeah. you kind of just follow the path in a way. Yeah. With develops. YouTube, do you think, is there is anything in particular that has helped you grow for someone who's thinking I'd like to start some, some kind of YouTube channel? I've got an idea for this right now. Do you think there is a specific formula like, or, or a reason why that you've been so successful? Or do you think it just was lockdown? Um, no, I don't think it was just because of lockdown. I think that was like part of, part of my luck, but I think, if you can create, you know, I still think there's a massive landscape for anyone to join YouTube now. Everyone sort of thinks, oh, it's been done. Mm. But I think there's still huge opportunity. But you've got to look for where there is, what's your unique offering? Mm-hmm. And be relatable. Like, don't be someone that you're not just come across. Because for me, you know, in my 20s, people seeing me do buy to that's what was relatable. Yeah. And then my unique side was you know, I do educational videos, but also just like sometimes do, follow, you know, if camera follows me around, you know, I do mm-hmm. a day in the life or, I, you know, do that kind of thing, which to some people isn't interesting, but to your, you know, your fan base, if you could call it that, sounds a bit cringe, but if you're <laughs> for people that follow you and love you, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I know when I follow people, I want to see what they're doing in their day. So mm-hmm. um, find what's unique about your channel or about you and then portray that rather than going, Oh, oh, that guy's doing really well. I'll copy what he's doing. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, that's when you won't succeed. Yeah. Carve out your own path, really, and work out what, what your audience are asking for. I love that. Well, thank you so much. It has been great hearing about your journey of property um, investment and sourcing and everything that you've done to get to that point. I'd like to ask you a couple more questions about yeah. your 20s. <laughs> um, we always ask this question because we kind of, you know, someone like yourself, a lot of people will look at you and think, you must have it all figured out. You've got property, you're in your 20s, you must have it all figured out. But have you had an absolute disaster experience, a big adult life fail that you think was super embarrassing that you could share with us to prove that you haven't got everything? them all figured out um i wouldn't say like like one drastic thing mm-hmm. but actually like multiple different things and i think that probably does unfortunately go back to property and it's just you know parts and times where i've failed and spent mm-hmm. money where i shouldn't have mm-hmm. and 
as I said, I've, I've said s- several times, you know, the, my 20s has been like my testing point, you yeah. know, and I've tried things. And, you know, for example, my the clothing brand I launched, Sure Fitness, you know, I pumped a lot of money into that at the start. And I thought, you know, the minute I clicked go on the website, you know, I said to, to my partner, I said, yeah, wait for this. You know, this is going to be good. And I <laughs> don't think I had any orders, you know, when I clicked go on launch day, I was like, yeah. oh, this is going to be harder than I thought. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to really... There's been a few times where I've really thought this is where success is happening. This is where it's going to happen. And it, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. But you learn something from every experience. And, um, you know, I think the problem is right now there's a lot of pressure on people. That are, they're like 22 and they're like, oh, my God, I'm so old. I haven't made it happen yet. But yeah. the truth is I'm 29 and I still haven't made it happen yet. But I'm start. you know, it doesn't matter what age. I feel like if I find something, you know, when I go full time and, and I'm 30 and what have you, I feel like I'm going to have made it because mm. even at 30, that's still incredibly young. I've got another 30 years in me to... I bet you'll to, get to, to 30 and think, I haven't got it figured out or whatever. It's Probably, the yeah. The point that yeah, you've got yeah. in your head that you think you're going to have it figured out by, I bet you'll get to it and go, nah, still no. haven't got it figured out. It's a constant like, It's journey. constant, yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I just think if I, if I feel like I'm progressing, yeah. I'm happy and I feel like life is probably going to be mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. no definitely um in terms of kind of we like to show that obviously on the podcast not everyone is is the perfect package none of us are perfect none of us have got it all figured out is there something at the moment that you are particularly working on improving at that you know is an area of development or an area of growth for you that you think you'd really like to improve on public speaking yeah which i've um i obviously come from last night you know that was like a just a again like one of those maybe it's slightly partly ego but it's also like mm-hmm. I just want to be a, I want to come across well and um so that's something I've been working on and it's like been a bit of a goal to tick off this year that I've done mm-hmm. um you know actually in person again rather mm-hmm. than just online but uh <laughs> in terms of actually for me it would be as I've mentioned to I guess just wake up on my own terms every day you know I do still work a nine to five and I'm very fortunate I like the company that I work for, mm-hmm. but it's, and they know, and I know that it's not my, you know, it's not my dream. It's not why I yeah. want to get to 60 and say, yep, mm-hmm. that's what I did every day. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think actually, just just going in, in a little bit deeper on that, do you think with the company they're working for at the moment, um, obviously they must know that you've got stuff going on outside of what mm. you do in the job role. How have you navigated that? Because I think for a lot of people listening right now, they might think, well, if I start doing something else that is extra on my job, what's my employer going to think? Yeah, I've been lucky. Yeah. Uh, my like, my like um, line director is very understanding mm-hmm. and um, obviously I'm not sharing who he is. He also invests in property, which mm-hmm. does help. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, transparency, um, you know, is potluck on who you're, who, you know, you work for and if they're really corporate or not. Mm-hmm. But I've just been super transparent with what I'm doing and saying, listen, you know, you know, life is more than just this job in the mm-hmm. nicest way possible. Mm-hmm. That's why I want to go down to four days a week or... Yeah. You know, that's why I'm doing this stuff on the side. And they do, they definitely know where I'm heading with this. Mm -hmm. But again, I think that creates a really good relationship because when I go to work, they know that I'm really focused in on their work, Mm -hmm. but they equally know that I have another life to live. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's where it's really, it's dangerous where your employer doesn't think you've got any yeah life because mm-hmm. then they think they can control it yeah so. no definitely i think that's really good advice so where can we find you on social media on youtube tell us where we can find all your platforms 
Um, just search my name. Yeah, which yeah. is cool. So yeah, just search yeah Justin Wilkins on YouTube or put in bye to that. I'll probably be on fa- my face will pop up. Um, <laughs> Instagram, I'm just at Justin N Wilkins, mm-hmm. and um, they're my main two. Really, do a bit of TikTok, but I've not cracked that yet. Yeah, um, trying to put some more comedic style videos out. <laughs> um, so but yeah, no, I, I massively love social media mm-hmm. and think it's such a great tool for just sharing whatever your people are passionate about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Definitely. Well, definitely head over if you're listening right now and follow Justin on YouTube and Instagram. But we always end the podcast with one simple question. And it's if you could look back and look at 20 year old Justin in the eye and give him just one piece of advice, what would you say to him? Not full into the corporate rat race or not mm. fall into in line with what expectations were from you know parents and I'm not my parents have, as I say very good but I, I don't know why I still felt in life that I had to follow oh, I have to go get a job get a mortgage you know do this which obviously mm-hmm. hypocritical sitting here with property but I wish I doubled down on myself as an entrepreneur rather than getting stuck in a full-time job Mm -hmm. first because Mm -hmm. it's harder to go the other way around. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you started at 18, 19, 20, 24 and you just went, I'm going to try a a business of my own and then it didn't work out, then you can go back into corporate. There'll always be an opportunity for you Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. And I think it's been great chatting to you today about, you know, the challenges and the highs and lows of entrepreneurship and stepping out into property and stuff like that. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I've loved having you in the studio. Thank you for coming Thank you for having me so much. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Talk 20s podcast. I hope it inspired you in some way and pops a little pep in your step for this week got a spare minute it would mean the absolute world if you could subscribe leave a review or share this episode with a friend we're on a mission to help as many 20 somethings navigate their 20s as we can and we really cannot do it without your support we also love to hear from you you can find us on all platforms via the handle at talk 20s and if you're struggling with something in your 20s that we haven't already covered in the podcast dm us and let us know so we can cover it in a future episode And for more stories of inspiration and resources to help you make the best of your 20s, head to our website, talk20s.com.